Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast, episode number nine. Yeah. I'm here with Joe Worthington, myself. I'm Paul Fotofilly. Today's podcast has Chiora and Coach Alan. Uh, Joe, tell us about it. Yeah, today's uh, third piece on the Jungle Brothers uh, slogan, Fight, Left, Move. We, we delve into uh, movement and what it means to us, what the fuck it means in general, because it's a pretty ambiguous term that's getting thrown around a lot. And uh, just, yeah, big, uh, basically how it applies to, to our community's training and how it can help you in your training. Um, if you guys haven't already done so, make sure you jump on to junglebrothers.com, download our sick ebook on nailing that elusive handstand. Five reasons why you're still struggling. You can just chuck your email in the little box that pops up. Easy way to start making some gains. Uh, you can also sign up for our famous five minute Friday email, which is a snapshot of all the coolest shit we're learning, practicing, reading, the stuff we're watching that week. Um, upcoming events we've got some cool shit coming up actually we've got the Bulletproof Bodies for BJJ happening Saturday the 8th of April and then a second event on Saturday the 13th of May that first one's almost sold out so if you're interested get in quick um, this event is basically for all the BJJ crew out there who are dealing with constant injuries and niggling strength and also mobility issues it's going to be giving those guys a bit of a blueprint around how they can uh, get on top of maintaining their body, not have the injuries, and become stronger and more flexible on the mats. Um, other events, we've got the next JB retreat happening on the 18th to the 21st of May. This is a four-day event. This is only for serious knowledge seekers. So uh, just putting the word out there, if there's anyone that's interested, get in touch with us and we can tell you more about it and see if you're right for the program. It's a, it's a small group. There's loads of fun. It's three nights. Like how many people? 20 people max. I think we've got about four spaces left. Yeah, there's a lot of knowledge, like, delivered and shared. It's, yeah, it's yeah. an immersive event, completely isolated from your regular life for the four days. Um, all food provided, all accommodation, and just a lot of training. We're looking at about eight hours plus of training a day, plus a lot of workshopping, things around mindset, uh, recovery, meditation practice, all that stuff. So, if you, yeah. need a, if you need a little breakthrough, this, could be, this is kind of the perfect thing to do it for you. Spot on. Um, and uh, yeah, look, whether you're here in Sydney or if you're a fire and you want to start your strength and movement journey, get in touch. We offer a free consult for everyone out there. Um, just throw your details onto our homepage, junglebrothers.com. Um, throw your email in. One of us, Jungle Brothers, will be directly in touch to book you in and organize that consult. I did a consult last night with a girl from London who's joined our online coaching program. Uh, we've got people, you know, in other parts of Sydney, other parts of Australia. We've got people living next door to us, so we cover all areas. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, get in touch. We'd like to hear from you guys. We uh, hope you enjoy today's episode. Yeah, cool. Let's get into it. Check, check. How's the headphone levels for you guys? All yeah, good? mine's good. It's good. Check, check. Yeah, sound good, bro. <laughs> mine's like an erect penis. <laughs> Hello. Oh, are we recording? <laughs> <laughs> Talk into it's a it. Good start. Darlinghurst, Hello. baby. You can take the boy out of Darlinghurst. You can't take. <laughs> hey, um, let's roll into it. We're talking about movement today. It's the um, it's the third piece of the the Jungle Brothers slogan or triage: the fight, lift, move. The one we haven't explored yet. Um, if you didn't listen to the other ones, I'm fighting and lifting. Definitely go back and have a listen to those. You don't have to go back right now. You can listen to this. But um, yeah, this is a big one. We've got, uh, we've got myself. We've got John Brother Paulie. G'day. We've got T-Bone. 
Hello. And then we got Coach Alan in the house today. It's his first appearance with us. Hi, everyone. First podcast as well. Hey, right podcast on, bro. Cherry. Nice. Pop that. Um, man, let's go right into it. Al, can you give us a little, maybe give us a little background on yourself and tell us a little story? We love Al. Yeah. We love you too, Paul. I mean, I love you too, Paul. And I love you guys. <laughs> um, so I've been doing a lot of different kinds of, you know, physical things all my life. Um, recently, I've just escaped from the corporate world. So... Free. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty, pretty tumultuous two and a half years in corporate finance. And then um, just working in random places before that. But... Throughout my, pretty much my whole life, I've always been super interested in, in motion and, and, and human movement and, you know, all kind of started with like action movies, you know, like most boys, you know, you, you see something on TVs, explosions and fast cutting and fast movements and muscles and people getting fucked up, you know, it's like pretty awesome, you know, it's something that you want to learn and uh, it's something I've always wanted to learn ever since I was a very small child, but my parents were, would never let me maybe too afraid of me getting hurt, medical bills, emotional pain. You're talking about martial arts? Yeah, mostly right. martial arts. Uh, I've, I always wanted to learn some form of that and then they wouldn't let me, so I was like, okay, let me learn tennis. And they still wouldn't <laughs> let me learn tennis. And um, in, when I was in year 10 or something, I started to learn Wing Chun. Uh, I li lived in Seven Hills and Wing Chun was in Westmead and it was only like three stations away, but they're like, nah, that's too far, it's too expensive, it's too dangerous, all these excuses. And I only learned for about two months or something. Um, and it wasn't until I was in uni when I was making my own money and I was sort of running my own schedule that I was able to you learn martial man. arts. You were a man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I uh, started learning capoeira because I used to study at UTS and there was a capoeira place just right across the station, right across the tracks. Uh, capoeira Brazil with um, Mestre Pesh, my first master. Capoeira Brazil. Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, it, was, it was a great time. Like I did it for three years and I loved it. And it was actually like this really great mix of a lot of different disciplines. And I'm really glad that was like, I came to it at that time because I had you know, enough maturity to kind of really appreciate it and enough um, enough physicality to really make the most of it, I think, because I'd always done some form of physical exercise. And, you know, in many ways, I've been kind of gifted with various things. Um, I was always a bit stronger, more coordinated than people at school and stuff. Um, so I had that going for me. And then I came into Capoeira after I'd done a little bit of martial arts, a lot of my own self-experimentation and a lot of my own self-teaching and stuff. And um, did a bit of dance and stuff in, in school as well. Um, and that kind of all blended in. What kind of dance? Uh, liquid popping and locking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my act used to be called Liquid Metal. Holy shit! <laughs> you just got That's a new awesome. nickname in the gym now, bro. Um, oh, okay, cool. That was just. I like, I like it. Was that was just amongst your friends and for like talent nights or something like that? It wasn't. Well, none you, of my friends. Did you have like a dance class it. at school? No, 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 no. So it was actually just me in the backyard. I didn't even have a mirror, so I used to go at nighttime and turn the light on, and then the light would be behind me, so I'd cast this shadow. And then I'd use the shadow to like see if I was doing the moves properly. Wow. Yeah. So the thing is, my moves t actually tended to be very outside of my body because when my arms went in front of my body, I couldn't see them because it was, it was one and the same shadow. <laughs> so I was very like, it was limited by what materials and resources I had at that time. Um, but I managed, I actually performed at the, the talent show in year, in year 12 and people were like fucking going crazy. Like, holy shit. Just you know? solo. 
Just solo, yeah. Yeah, I just learned by myself, you know? Wow. I just put some music on in my old stereo and just blasted it in the backyard and just awesome. shadow danced. You have video footage of this? Oh, man, it's lost somewhere. Old Girawin High School video Don't archive somewhere. I've got to hunt down. Shit. I know. Yeah. But you know what? It's <laughs> These like days the old ripoff. <laughs> Yeah. Was on video. yeah, it's true. That's mm. what I say to people. It's like, oh, I got a handstand. It's like, you put on video? Mm. No, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I did the talent show, but it was all just a rip-off. Um, so I was actually ripping off this dancer called David Elsewhere. And I don't know if you guys remember him. It was like early days of the internet, and it was like collaboration 2001, like spelled with a K. And it was this <laughs> show in... <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wasn't watching dance videos at that time on the internet. <laughs> but it was like viral. It was one of the first things. Like I, I saw it on ebombsworld.com. So it was like this old school... like E-bombs? E-bombsworld. I don't know if anyone listening will recognize that, but that was old, so old. There's some pretty stupid stuff on there. Anyway, like it was this guy, this really nerdy looking dude, just walks up on stage and is wearing this like long sleeve orange thing. And um, he, he just starts popping out these crazy moves. Like he's like hitting like the, the stuttering kind of like robotic stuff. And then he would just melt into this fucking thing. And the whole crowd was going nuts. And no one had ever seen that before back then, you know? So he was like the top guy and he was my idol. So I had many different idols growing up. You know, that was my idol at the time around year 12. Mm. And then before that was like Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Bruce Lee, all the martial artists. And then it was David Elsewhere. And then I had a few others as, as I went along. But anyway, like that helped me be better at capoeira because capoeira was, uh, it's a very rhythmic type of art and it's, um, there's a lot of combative elements as well. So it combines a lot of the, like it's not great for dance but it's not, and it's not great for self-defense and it's not great for learning music but it's actually a great blend of those things so you can sort of in one place, in one sort of unit of time spend, you know, like be immersed in all of those things and get a bit of both and then if you tended more towards the dance stuff you know you could go into that a bit more or combat or music and if you wanted it actually gave i feel if you do it properly if you have a good teacher it actually gives you a really good base to move and manipulate yourself around other objects or other people because um and and also be in front of other people while you're doing the movements because a lot of the time like people work out in a gym and they don't want to be seen they just kind of do their thing and they don't, they don't, they, they'd write, like, a lot, that's why a lot of people don't even turn up to the gym. You know, they don't want to be seen, like, doing stuff. But here, you're kind of forced to. You know, you're training with everyone. There's a community aspect. And then after every training session, you have a hoda. So R-O-D-A. They pronounce it hoda in Brazil. And you basically, like, play instruments and sing together. So everyone's standing in a circle singing and clapping, giving the energy and sending it into the circle. And then people in the middle are actually playing. So you're using some of the moves that you learned in the class and previous classes. Similar to like what you do in sparring and stuff in jiu-jitsu or, or Muay Thai. But this is like a sort of a non-destructive art and it's more about like conversational. So it's like this. It's kind of like a, uh, I'm thinking about like crossfitters when like someone's trying to wrap up a workout and they're like smashing themselves with the barbell and everyone gathers around and starts clapping and chanting, like, come on, man, come on, come on. It's the same kind of thing, but much yeah. less beautiful and yeah. much less wholesome, yeah. you know, but it's like, yeah, yeah. but it's the same. Everyone's like, everyone, yeah. yeah, feeding oh. that energy into those, those couple of people that the spotlight's on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, it's, it, Pesci used to get really angry when people didn't clap and they didn't mm. put energy in because it's actually everyone's, everyone's in it together. And actually that's one of the lessons that we were taught. And I don't think I really properly ever learned that lesson. I was just kind of just... I just wanted to play, you know, I was like, yeah. fuck, Wait when can I turn. get in? Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, but it sort of comes with maturity, you know, but like everyone has to have a responsibility for everyone else. So you kind of learn that as a part of the community, you know? Um, yeah, so I did, I did capoeira for three years and then I left and kind of just floated around for a little while just with life and, and uni and making films and stuff. And um, but then I came across a bit of uh, the Edo stuff a few years down the track and that was really eye-opening for me. Um, yeah, it was just, I spent a f quite a few years like following his work and doing his training and really following a lot of his concepts, you know, like he put into words a lot of the stuff that I was already kind of thinking in my mind. I was like where I wanted to go with, with physical cultivation because there was a lot of, you know, different kinds of disciplines out there. It's like, which one do you choose? You know, that's where most people get stuck. Um, and over time I realized it's like everyone is actually completely different and you need to find your own mix of anything, you know? in any aspect of life, you know, especially when it comes to your physical training, because your body is completely different. It's the first one that's ever existed in history, more than likely, you know, within this particular space and time where there's all these different, you know, stimulus in the environment. So it's like even more important now to find your own groove. Um, so I felt like that's what he was, what he was trying to get people to do, to move more, yeah. and move in more diverse ways. So for the listeners, uh, he, Edo, meaning Edo Portal. Correct, correct, yes. Did you follow his... Uh online programming or anything like that or were you just like YouTubing and doing the stuff that he was doing or did you do some courses like what was your what was your like path with the, the Edo journey yeah that's a good question um I started actually his video of him was a self-dominance that actually appeared in my life while I was doing capoeira and I just thought he was another sick capoeira dude so I just watched him like that's cool and just ignored it and then only years later when my friend was talking about it and he was doing the online coaching and then he was like, dude, you gotta check this guy, his name's Ido Portal, you know? And he flicked me across that video. I'm like, dude, I've seen this video before. And then that's when it sort of stuck because I was at that level, right? At that maturity level. So I did a Movement X with him a few months after that, which was in 2014, I'm pretty sure. And then I did a core set workshop in 2015. And then end of 2015, I did, a, I did online coaching for about three months. And it was a really long three months. <laughs> <laughs> It was really long, um, but it actually, it actually made me learn a lot about many different things. And I really needed it at that time because I was working in, um, in the finance job and I really needed an outlet and I just needed to have a space where I could go and release some frustration. You know, why why was energy. it long? Oh, because it was like six days a week. So the commitment is you have to work out, well, you have to be able to move and train for like six days a week, at least two sessions. Well, about two sessions a day. And, How long um, are your sessions? Uh, the expectation is three plus hours. And per session? No, no, no. To in total per in day. Total. So okay. it typically takes like 90 minutes to two hours to do a session. Um, and then it's basically like, you know, that you've got some straight arm strength, some bent arm strength, a bit of hand balancing and mobility. Like mobility was a really big one. Um, and, and then those are legs as well. So it kind of covers the whole body and it helps you bulletproof a lot of the joints because you're moving them at such high volumes and the intensity is really high and the amount of activity in your brain is really high as well. Like you can't just phone it in with these kind of workouts. You have to really, especially because the standards are so high, you know, like if you were to fold your knee down in active pigeon, you have to touch something at the bottom. You know, you mark it or there's no rep. And then you, when you hold yourself to those standards and then you constantly push for an extra, extra degree every single time. You're doing the work properly. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's never easy, mm. but you, the it gets a bit, it gets a bit easier in terms of not being so sore after a while. But it's it takes a lot of focus, um, 
But I felt like I had that back then because I had time before and after work to do it and they were spaced far enough apart. So it was actually perfect for that, that sort of lifestyle. And um, if you didn't you know, want to hang out and socialize and drink and stuff with your, your office buddies and stuff. And for me, it was actually, I really wanted to get into a lot more of the, the acrobatics and the floreos and stuff. Um, what is floreos? Floreos is the capoeira kind of tricks? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's, it translates to like flowers or something. And it's essentially kind of like a garnish to your movement. So in capoeira, you have these basic movements like the kicks and the escapes and the jinga. And then uh, apart from that, there's the acrobatic side and they call them floreos. So it's kind of like, you know, you don't just do floreos the whole time. If you're just 100% floreos, you're just, you're just doing breakdancing, right? So the idea is you're conversing with the other person and then every once in a while when you feel like the flow, then you throw in a little floreo. It could be like as simple as a cartwheel. It could be as simple as like a little, you know, a little boomerang kick. So it's like you got your practical ass kicking side and then you got like your fancy pants. Yeah. Kind of. Head kick. Tip tap shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes you can uh, combine the two. Quit like, it with that tip tap shit. <laughs> <laughs> actually, the tip tap shit is actually sort of part of a taunt. It can be like a taunt. You know, that's just language. Like a tip tap, tap, tap. What's tip tap? <laughs> you haven't seen Kickbox? Oh, he's probably tuned. Oh, no, I haven't. I haven't. Damn, oh, yeah. bro. Pack <laughs> <laughs> your bags and leave my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't too much into Van Damme, you know? Like, I just never came across it too Fuck much. Fuck you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that, maybe you, it's, it's, it's time, Joe. Maybe you've got to lend me your, your Van Damme collection. Fuck anyone out there that doesn't like Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like Van Damme. <laughs> yeah. No, just kidding. Um, As Joe's onboard program, when you train with Joe, you yeah. do six <laughs> sessions just watching Van Damme movies during the first six-week program. You randomly yeah. tested on Dialogue <laughs> Foundations. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Um, it's a, good, it's a good moment for us to go into a bit of a definition of this movement thing because we're getting deep into the, the, the guts of it. And I think that the term movement is still very ambiguous for a lot of people out there. Um, yeah, T, maybe you'd like to, to sort of tell us your thoughts on it. Uh, well, we have it in our name. So our, our business name, <coughs> our gym name is Jungle Brothers Strength and Movement. Uh, we originally came up with movement... Uh, would have been about four or five years ago kind of thing. Five, oh, so yeah. Paul came up with the, with, the, with the name for our gym. This was before the movement trend. And he came up with the word movement because it, obviously it referred back to physical movement, but it also had that second meaning, which was a bit more of a, a political statement for us, which was like a movement away from the, your standard exercise prescription or your standard fitness first gym or whatever it was kind of thing so we wanted to make a bit of a statement when we opened our gym where we could potentially be in a place where we could practice whatever we want and not have someone telling us hey don't lift like that or you shouldn't be doing that kind of exercise here or making too much noise or whatever it was so that was generally our original uh, introduction to the word and then after that I think it was you, Joe. Joe uh, started um, playing around with the Edo Portal method and that uh, brought a whole new meaning to the word movement. So maybe you want to go into a bit of yeah, we almost, detail. Yeah, we almost kind of grew into it in a way mm. because like, I think it, it always had that double meaning and particularly like from the ju my jiu-jitsu background, I remember we used to play around a lot with the natural gymnastics, you know, the gymnastics. You did a lot stuff. of that. 
Yeah, and it was Janji as well. Yeah, and it was it was a pretty organic kind of, you know, thing that I just picked up along the jujitsu journey, kind of, and so that was featuring a lot in our training. But we 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 had this kind of idea to break the mold, but it was hard to fit a context to it in a way. And then I remember when I did when I first started working with Ido, I went to that first Movement X, which is the same workshop Alan did different. We did different ones, but I was like, fuck, like everything that he uh, expounded on that workshop was like was basically what I'd been trying to articulate in my own mind but never could and was like holy shit like it was he broke like a, a whole bunch of paradigms over that weekend and I was like yeah that's why we're doing it and holy shit yeah there's all those options and moving out of alignment and you know moving in more complex patterns and all this kind of stuff um, so yeah like you said to you it, it then started to to evolve again or or I guess rather maybe add more meaning to, to the name that we had. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for a big part of it for me now is just the perspective that we take. It carries over to all the stuff that we do. And, you know, the, you know, the, convent, the, the, the term movement as used by people who are really in the movement community, it basically means any form of moving, right? It's like absolutely anything you do. So it covers any human action. Um, but the way I think for us, it's like really about taking this perspective of movement. So it's a way of rehabbing. It's a way of becoming stronger. It's a way of becoming more intelligent. Mm. It's a quest, you know, it's a kind of never ending quest. Mm. It makes you a better fighter. It makes you better at jujitsu. It makes you a better weightlifter. It makes you, you know, leaner. All of these things, it's, it's kind of the, the link between all of the stuff that we do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's a, definitely also a very personal journey. It's a way to get inside of your own mind and how you react to different things and how you approach and choose different things. Um, because if you get stuck in the same old you know, patterns of you know, bodybuilding type movements in the gym, you can easily switch yourself off. And then you never really, you, you kind of do it for years. And then, uh, I mean, you guys have told me about people that you know that have been doing the same bodybuilding routine for like you know, decades. And then they just don't even know why they're doing it anymore, they but they don't know what to do next. So, um, you know, it's basically a way to get sort of uh, prevent yourself from getting stuck, you know, and, and also constantly diagnosing or get, being aware of where you're at physically and mentally, you know, because it's not when you're doing when you're doing this kind of training, it's very mental as well. You know, there's a lot of internal stuff happening, you know, and that's where I think arguably a lot of the people doing it now, that's what they're doing it for. You know, like the, the physical stuff is a huge part of it. It's like the attractor and it's really fun. And it helps to attract other people so you can train with them or train them. Um, but at the same time, it's like there's always this underlying personal thing that's happening. And that's also one of the attractions to it as well is because you get to know yourself better. Um, so that, that to me, I think that's what it's sort of becoming, you know, and I want to learn different disciplines and learn different ways of moving so that I can see, okay, what can I do right now with what I've got and what can I get Yeah, that's right. Later? I think... Um one of the other big uh, assets for us having movement in our name is that it gives us like this immunity to do what we please in the gym and we and we don't have to have an answer as to why so it's like uh, i think over my time in the fitness industry there's always so much scrutiny over every single exercise mm. how you do it why are you doing that what kind of results are doing it and then comes the criticism afterwards I like the fact that in our gym, people come in without the expectation of, okay, 
someone's going to judge me for doing something that might not be quite right or a little bit out of, out of place or potentially not leading me in this direction of whatever it is, building lean muscle mass and um, getting stronger. And I like the idea that we can apply stuff in this gym and experiment without being judged, you know. I think it's a good thing. And people come here expecting the same. Like when someone comes into you and they train, they're not expecting a specific style of training. In fact, they don't know what the hell they're going to get. Even our members that are here, we can come in a month later after we've gone on a workshop or away on a camp and literally say, everything we've been teaching you over the last six months is going to change. It's not saying that what we've been doing was wrong. It just means that we're going to try something different, different kind of method, different kind of approach to movement. And in that way, you're going to grow in different ways, you know. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. It doesn't, doesn't box us into anything. Yeah, and it allows us to go searching for different styles and different methods of training in lots of different areas. So, for instance, uh, you know, moving, heading over to, to Queensland to do the uh, MoveNet course and then um, Alan bringing in uh, the... Um, Chacha, the chacha. <laughs> Sorry, salsa. bro. <laughs> salsa, <laughs> salsa, and, you know, and using yoga for and breathing methods and meditation and all these things that come under the one umbrella. You know. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point, actually. Like all of that random shit that we do. Yeah. The handstand workshops, the qigong, Alan salsa class, your movnat stuff, yeah. Ido Portal. It's all linked. Mm. It's all part of the same things, right? Mm. Mm. And and it's interesting because like. Maybe some people don't know this, but we basically pick those things based on what we want to learn. So when we see mm. someone who's doing something cool and we're like, shit, we can learn that, we bring them in here. Now, when we market one of those events, because obviously there's a, a business side to it, so it's like, oh, if we're going to pay for this person to come and teach, we need to make sure we sell tickets to the event. So we market towards the community that that event would appeal to, right? So mm. we had a certain group of people in here on the weekend for the handstand workshop. A few weeks ago, we had another group of people in for the Qigong workshop. Mm. A few you know, weeks before that, we had a different group in here for Emma Lewis's mobility workshop. There's JB tribe members at every one of those events. And really, what we're trying to do is, is promote those things to all of our people. We want all of our people that train with us to have all of those skills and to explore all of those different modalities. Mm. Yeah, have those options. you know. And the other thing it allows us to do is to take the best or what we feel is the best from all of those different methods and create our own, mm. you know? And you see it, especially with the members that have been here from the, you know, for, a, for a substantial amount of time and the practicing day in and day out that they're just getting better and better at moving, you know? I know I am, I know all of our coaches are. So I feel like we're, we're heading in the right direction and it's been a real revelation for us to be able to to have the, the courage to look in areas other than conventional exercise, strength mm. and conditioning. Was that always the intention um, for you guys when you opened up Jungle Brothers? It was, yeah. It was like a reaction to what you're seeing happening in the, the fitness world. Yeah, we were all very frustrated with um, the amount of restriction that um, the standard training environment had on, had on us. Mm. And, and the attitudes within yeah. that realm. Yeah. Mm. So uh, we feel like we've created an environment where people can come here and you just don't feel like there's any of that pressure of someone judging the way that you perform or move. And this allows you to push yourself. Mm. You know? Take, the only way you better yourself in anything is to get outside of your comfort zone. Mm. You cannot do that if you're feeling self-conscious. It is almost impossible. You've got to get rid of the ego, 
Got to get rid of that self-conscious, got to feel comfortable around the people you're around. Mm. And iron sharpens iron, so they say, you know, you want to be around the right people to help you get better at what you do, you know? Mm. So. And it's, it's a cool thing, and uh, uh, this is something I know Edo is very vocal about at his events. Um, uh, but that, you know, if you come into the, if you look at the tribe here, you look at the people training, you have people that are like absolute beasts in certain classes mm. and then mm. like total pussies in other classes. Yeah. You know, like you could say there's the, there's the, the heavy lifters, that, you know, all those that are killing it in jungle gymnastics really strong on the rings and stuff. And then they get into a movement prep class or an acro strength class yeah. and they're falling to pieces. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, the person next to them that might have been the, the weaker of the two in the strength class is mm. dominating, you know, and mm. that's, that's kind of the whole idea. Mm, absolutely. You, you know, you get, you, you get exposed to all of these different things. You can't hide behind um, what it is that you're good at, which is really what, what the vast majority of people in conventional gyms are doing, right? They're mm. doing the shit that they're confident at, that they're pretty okay at, that they've been doing for years. Mm. So they're not challenging themselves, yep. you know, yep. in, that, in that regard. Yeah, and the further they go down that path, the more they cling to it and it becomes harder and harder to let go of it. Yeah. Yeah, and um, they, yeah, they, pay, they end up paying some physical and potentially emotional mental price later on for that. You know, it's, it's important to be flexible with that kind of thing. It's, it's interesting actually, because uh, I won't mention names, but there was a guy in one of the lift classes and he was asking me about jungle gymnastics. I'm like, how long have you been a member here? You've never been to a jungle gymnastics class? And he's like, that's, what, that's the one where you do all that weird stuff, isn't it? <laughs> 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 so like even, so I think even I started, I realized then that um, even the people in this gym, not all of, like it's the first time they've been exposed to anything that's beyond doing bicep curls or doing some pulley machines or doing just like regular bodyweight stuff, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's, I think that's really cool. That's fucking huge, right? Yeah, and the hats, off, Which, hats off to the members for, for realizing that, um, you know, receiving our message and, uh, you know, making an effort to take themselves to an uncomfortable place, knock on our door, email us. It's amazing, really. Mm. Like, you know, it's hats off to everyone. It's a big step for a lot of people. Yeah. Big step. Yeah, it's, uh, they already lose a, a shell, a layer of their ego, you know, before they even start their first class, so... Props. Yeah, it's true. It's interesting, actually, this morning I had a, a consult with a new guy who got in touch and wanted to find out more about what we do um, <clears throat> and specifically wanted the movement thing, you know? And he basically he's coming from a, 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 a... It sounded like a pretty high-level NRL career through his 20s. Mm. Um, was really fucking strong in the gym at deadlifting and squatting and benching and stuff. Played hard, has a, a fuckload of injuries now really really tight really restricted and has come to this movement thing and just wants you know as he, he called it, he's like i just want to move more i want to be doing stuff he goes i don't want to touch a fucking barbell anymore and you know all those things and i was yeah, it was a really enjoyable conversation between the two of us um and what i commended him on was the fact that when a lot of people get to that sort of they get to the end of the path of their it's usually around the early 30s late 20s where they realize that they can't continue doing what they have been doing. Mm -hmm. And they either make a choice to go down the path that's less comfortable, that will teach them the things that they're not good at, mm. where they'll find out more about themselves, or they refuse to, to face that truth. And they either stop training altogether, or they keep doing what they're doing, and they get injured, and then they get forced to stop training. Yeah. It's a, it, gets, it becomes a real ego battle at that stage, right? It does. I feel like that you kind of end up in, on the path anyway. Whether, whether you like it or not. So it's up to you if you want to take it on yourself or if you let your body send you that. Dictate. Yeah, yeah. Send you that signal. It's like, nah, you got to do it. And then that's when it's like a lot harder. It's true. But tell me, I mean, there's, I think, and this is the sad, sad reality, 
people these days can can live often without ever having to face it. Yeah. You know, it won't be a good existence mm. and there's going to be a lot of time spent with medical professionals. Yeah. But you can get by with being a fucking slut. People right? will do yeah. incredible you, things to avoid facing their feels. That Carl Jung quote. Mm. Spot on. Well, yeah. when you think about, like, I think it's like 2% of the population actually exercise on a regular on a regular basis. So we're, we're talking about 2% mm. of the population. When we're talking about that's people nothing. that step into from a uh, conventional gym into our gym, that's a tiny, or a gym like ours, it's a tiny, tiny percentage of the 2%. But what about the 98% that feel too intimidated to step into uh, a park? A conventional exactly, gym. Exactly, <laughs> a fucking park, you know, or, a, or a anytime fitness. Or, or a pair of shorts. It's true. Mm. You know, or curves or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. yeah. And these people are living for long long periods of life because as you said you know they rely on the medical system to hold them together you know mm, mm. yeah i saw that a lot in in my office job back in the day i was i was the anomaly i'd turn up to work from the gym and then i'd leave work to the gym you know especially doing the edo stuff i'd be doing it twice a day i'd be like most people there'd be lucky to get to the gym once a week you know so i was that guy who was working on my handstands while everyone else was like oh my wrist hurts because i did a push-up like literally there was a guy who was like, I injured my wrist because I tried to push up. I'm like, damn, dude. <laughs> and um, that, yeah. guy in the, in, that guy in the, in the office, the weeder. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely. I looked the part. You know, I look, definitely looked the part, but I didn't. He's so obsessed with training. When's he going to start taking life seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll grow out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get real, man. Yeah. Make some investments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Just not actually, the money kind. Yeah, Al, you tie that in well, the, the idea of, you know, with your finance knowledge, you tie the idea of investing in your health um, well into, you know, you, you, you parallel it well with investing money. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's the phrase you use? You know, it's like a... Um, you, you've mentioned it in the past. I mean, maybe it's not a phrase, but it's just like how you see it in terms of making that investment in yourself now. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, the returns down the track are greater or... Compound, yeah. Compound interest. Yeah, the compound interest thing is a big one. It's a big one. It, 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 it emerges in our training as well. Like, basically the concept is anything... This is a different one now, but I, I think I know which one you're talking about. It's probably like something to do with investing and ingesting or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's got those <laughs> rhymes. <laughs> you hit me you know? with another rhyme this morning. What was that one? Oh, no game, no aim. No game, no aim. <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah, so compounding, it's, it's something that's actually very missing in, in our basic financial education. Um, and I, f I feel like if you knew it and you knew how w w your choices now affect that, people would deal with their money very differently. I know I, as soon as I knew it, I was like, fuck, okay, I'm going to change all these things. Um, but it happens in, um, in, in, in uh, training as well. So anything consistently you do over time is very powerful. So it's a very powerful anything. And it doesn't matter what it is. Like if you just sit on the couch for consistently enough over time, it becomes very powerful. It takes over your life. Um, if you save money and you, you're savvy enough with investing and you know what to invest in and you're patient enough and you've organized your life around just keeping money in certain places and not touching it and living your life and being happy and enjoying it, it becomes very powerful over time because you've, you've consistently put your energy into it. And it's the same thing. It's just like consistent energy in the gym or consistently in some sort of a practice where you have an aim because you know what game you're playing, you know, then it becomes very powerful over time because you stick to it. Um, if, it's, if it doesn't interest you, it doesn't inspire you, you can't sustain it. 
So you'll never get the gains that you need out of it. So that's if, if people find it hard to motivate themselves to exercise or whatever it happens to be in their lives, whether it be to start a business or whatever, they've got to really examine, okay, what game am I playing here? Yeah, and they've got to align it with something that, you know, they're getting a benefit from or that aligns with a value of theirs. 100%. Alignment right. with so value is massive. 100%, yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's a perspective thing, isn't it? Massively. Massively. Mm. I think, a, oh, sorry, after you. And I think like that's a big, uh, a big part of the, the system we have behind getting people to set movement goals when they come in oh, here. Oh, this is a good thing to talk about, right? Yeah, right. So it's like, you know, because most people come in here, yeah, no, probably not most now. Maybe 60% of people come in here with the standard kind of goals of, I want to lose a little bit of weight. Mm. Tone up a little bit, feel Get more big. energetic. Yeah, you know, sometimes they, yeah, that's the truth, but they might not say it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's usually get big or get small. Yeah, that's right. But we kind of try to shift people away from taking that perspective. And it's like, look, why don't you focus more on the movement and, and what, you know, what you can actually do with your body and set goals around that. Mm. And the getting big or getting small or getting lean or whatever, that will be taken care of in that process. And ultimately, if you connect yourself to a physical goal of trying to learn a new skill, that's going to be much more rewarding than just losing five kilos. Oh, totally. You know, and it's going to encompass so many other awesome things. 100%. Yeah, and it keeps you at it. You know, it keeps you at it. Like if, if it's just a number that's driving you, it, it makes you unhappy. If, whether it's a number on the scales or a number of like, okay, I, I need my waist to be this size or if it's like a number in your bank account. Yeah, I want to get... $50,000 this year. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it consumes you, but it doesn't actually feed you ever. You know, it doesn't give you what you need. You know, you, you might get that, you know, loss of five kilos and you're just like, oh, I still feel like the same person. Or I, you get that 50K in the bank or a million or whatever and you're like, oh, shit, the other guy's a million and a half. You know, and then if you haven't addressed what's behind what drove you to that in the first place, then it becomes really difficult to feel happy and then sustain a healthier practice, you know. And it's not, not as fun. Like, it's, it's just not as fun chasing the numbers like that. Yeah, you know? it fucking sucks. It, yeah, you know, like you guys have been in, the, in the, the lifting community for a little while and you've done your, you know, increasing, increasing loads and stuff. I mean, did you guys find, at what point did you guys find that that wasn't fulfilling your needs? It's, it's an, I, I found it was a, an emotional journey, mm. especially when uh, Adrian or Joe lifted more than me on anything yeah i was gonna say Fuck once i once i surpassed t it was it i was done fucking pissed me off <laughs> yeah, yeah. annoy the shit out of me yeah. <laughs> but oh, it that, was, that drove you that drove you yeah though. it was good good okay. motivation but the wrong kind it was a negative motivation really when you think about it because then the ego gets involved and you start putting on more weight than you should <laughs> quicker you get the lift but yeah you hurt yourself yeah. in the you process get. you got like how many discs you got man <laughs> fuck yeah one not a big, not a big sacrifice yeah. <laughs> uh, i think uh, on a on a serious note the the thing that used to knock me around was even when uh, you put in a lot of t you get to a point where you're putting a lot of time into like a really small increase in weight and i think this is for any athlete across the board that's going into like a performance, you, you move from that, okay, what's your goal out of this lift? Is it for me to, to get my body stronger so I can do other things or is it to get better at lifting mm. and then one day compete or whatever it is? You get to a point where you're putting in shitloads of time for a very small amount in return. Mm. And for me, that's not the kind of life that I wanna live. So I got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm, I'm strong enough and try something else, you know? Mm. But I felt like 
the times when I didn't hit the numbers that I want were, would put me in a really bad headspace. Mm. And I don't think it's necessary to go through that. Mm, mm. You know? Was it hard to walk away? No, not for me. Okay. I thought, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? This is, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Like just chasing numbers. Uh, too much time going into a very uh, two-dimensional lift in comparison to the other fun stuff I could be doing. And the rewards weren't, weren't high enough. Mm. You know? Hmm. For me, that was a personal thing. Mm. You know, and getting upset over not being able to put some extra weight on a bar is kind of, it's kind of pathetic. But at the same time, you know, like that's not to say, sometimes the, the lifting goal is a great goal for people as well, particularly yeah. newer people here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because there are, there's some standards, you know, that we've mentioned on other podcasts around that. Like, yeah, you know, you should it's be awesome. able to squat your body weight a few times and you know, deadlift double your body weight or one and a half your body weight, whatever. Mm. So for someone who's coming in who's never really set goals around their training besides aesthetic goals or mm. scales-related goals, mm. it's pretty cool really for them to, like, map, crack 100%. 100 kilos. Or, awesome. yeah. And shout out Nick, actually, like, this week, you know, he hit a triple oh, for a, a goal that he'd set for earlier this year, a goal that he'd set for some time to achieve later this year. And he hit a triple at 130 kilo deadlift and then he was like, fuck, awesome. And that's, that's mad for him, right? 100%. Yeah, so it's Danny like, too this morning. Danny too, PR. Smashed it. Nice. Good for him. I think he got one from 140. Like Beast. Added 10 on there. But so it's, you know, like I, yeah, those things, they are good too, but I think it's important, and just like T mentioned, to have a bit of a, a context around why you have that goal and to not get so obsessed with the goal that it rules everything. Mm-hmm. Get it, achieve it appreciate it and then choose something else that's maybe in a different on a different path yeah and that's where i think the combination of fight lift move is really cool because Mm. they're they're all kind of they're all very much connected but they're all quite different yeah and so you can set a goal in one area and achieve that and then you can go and set a goal in one of the other areas Mm. which will take you down another path and help you develop in another way yeah they complement each other Yeah, yeah and it's not like you ever you know like you tell you what you haven't been lifting you know that in in such a dedicated fashion for a couple of years now mm. but you could still deadlift a shitload of weight if you had to and you could still squat plenty of weight right yeah yeah mm. so it's not like you sacrificed that much by stepping away from something mm. actually the mm. work that you've been doing if you went back to lift you'd probably find that you you know you push through the ceilings that you were in before right yeah 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 for sure because i'm not getting held back by the the mechanics little bits of pain mm. You know, that's always been the barrier for me. I get to a point where something starts to hurt. I'm like, okay, I can't go any further than this because something is weak in my chain and it's not allowing me to get stronger. That's when you have to go. That, and that's what the other, the other disciplines complement, you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You can build that strength out of alignment. Well, that's, I kind of wanted to move the conversation towards uh, the gym itself, uh, how move is played out here. Um, in which classes, uh, what type of movements we do here for the listeners? What, is, what does it look like? Joe, do you want to, what have we got? We've got movement prep. So we've got movement prep. We've got jungle gymnastics. We now have acro strength. Uh, we've got a handstand class on Wednesday nights. So we've got quite a few that, you know, like let's, firstly, the movement thing, like we mentioned before, is an ambiguous title, right? So I think for the conventional fitness community, what movement represents from the outside is like handstands and working on the rings and crawling around on the floor. Mm. That's really what, what yeah, the, yeah. the majority of people see movement as. Now, for the person who's at Fitness First, 
it's kind of all they need to know to get started because <laughs> it's enough of the shit they're not doing. It's body weight, strength, it's mobility, it's balance, it's coordination, it's all those things. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah, mm. but in reality, you know, it, once you get into it, you're like, fuck, there's salsa dancing, there's breath work, there's, you know, whatever. Like you, know, you said, it's plum- a perspective. It's a perspective, it's exactly. To, to even explore, it's like uh, this kind of a uh, obligation of, of this perspective to explore, to go places uh, that you haven't been before. Um, to always come back to the beginner's mindset and try and find somewhere where you where you suck at. Exactly. Which is what, you know, a lot of what Edo would preach. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And look, I mean, those, you know, so those classes for us, they're the classes where it is, it is based around using your body only, you know. We're doing a lot of gymnastic work. We're doing a lot of hand balancing. We're doing a lot of acrobatic or capoeira elements we're doing a lot of loaded stretching a lot of active mobility Mm. um and then we're just throwing in shit that we've picked up along the way right Mm. so it's like you know we want to develop those 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 body weight strength skills and cool tricks but we also want people to have the coordination and the awareness to go along to a dance class and be able to handle themselves and not be a retard mm. or to go to a jiu-jitsu class and, mm. and learn for the first time how to roll. And not get injured. And not get injured and be like, have enough you know, software that they can process the information that's coming at them and actually get something out of that. Mm. And, I and think, the hardware. And exactly. Mm. Nice exactly. analogies. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, so for us, like PTs those, they're our, they're our real movement kind of heavy classes. Um, we even do a lot of isometric work to the outside eye looks like you're not moving at all but there's a lot going on in your body mm. to hold a static position it's constant movement mm. constant movement mm. yeah that's right yeah it's not actually about moving around the room right like that's not what mm. the movement thing is it's it's yeah and that moves into a cellular level the breathing mm. exercises which is another form of movement you know mm. diaphragm muscle bowel movement i know that's probably taking a step <laughs> we do focus on nutrition here yeah. <laughs> well it's yeah, important to have good bowel movement you know he's like, always been into poos yeah, he's always been into the poo talk ever the since permaculturalist that, that, i think oh, the first, smells good the for first the soil. blog post <laughs> The first blog post we ever wrote was from T and it was like, know your shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was, that's right. And it was like, your that's poo great. should look like this. And it had like a little diagram and stuff. Oh, and that's it, awesome. <laughs> I had a list of poos and pictures. and um, Softness, yeah. hardness. Common yeah. symptoms. I actually yeah. got those pictures off Rate My Poo. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I see that website. God, I love Sick the internet. How did you? How did you? What was the selection oh, no, process no, no, of the poo? I think Paul showed me that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Al, Al's the one with all the weird, like, oh, you remember E-bombs that world. website? You remember that website? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Bringing up these oh, 90s scratching the surface. Don't get me started. <laughs> oh, yeah, on the underbellies of the dark, internet. Oh, oh, man, man. One of the I, first I, over here. One of the very that, first deviants. Oh yeah, yeah. I was that guy. I was that guy. It's like, you seen this shit? You seen this shit? And then we like we'd one up each other. Like, I've seen that shit, but have you seen this shit? Oh man, the internet. I haven't done that for years years though but that was good fun um yeah actually on the bowel movement thing um that's actually something that was uh one of the first pieces of movement advice that was given by Ido, which was um in relation to the squat pattern you know the resting squat and uh how a lot of third third world countries will still people living in them would still have a squat position developing bro developing Uh, (laughs) (laughs) politically correct here um yeah and and because they have a lot of squat toilets there still so they're always using there's a context in which the 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 squat pattern emerges so they have they actually have less uh likely 
a less likelihood of getting bowel cancer than the Western world because they're fully evacuating their bowels, you know, whereas we're kind of stuck in this weird position where we're not fully evacuating because we're not bending our bodies into like this, not getting the leverage to squeeze it out, yeah. you know, and I've started and raising my feet. Colon alignment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the way that our bodies are when we, we've got our knees in at right angles on our regular toilet, we actually just... It's it's some the colon alignment squeezed in a in a different way, and mm. we're not actually able to recruit enough of those inner muscles to like squeeze it out. Whereas you know if you're bunched up into like fetal position, you have a ton of you have a ton of leverage. You know, like some ah, force production going. Like grab your knees and just pull. And, have you, you ever know? have you ever seen the videos on the internet of the uh, some sort of Central or South American uh, culture that birth babies in the squat position? Oh. Have you seen I think that? Most humans use like you like they, yeah, did they no, used to. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, because yeah. I remember I, when we were having our first game, we did a course in those positions. Yeah, yeah we we watched the videos and it was man the ease she in which these babies just yeah. fell out. They're yeah. in full squat knees like so wide apart, and it, they just flush them out. And you know, it's comfortable for them. Yeah, yeah, that's the position I would want to be in if I was giving birth to a baby. Yeah. You know, having that something that big come out of me. You know, you need you need that leverage. You know? Well, you think about like, like when you're doing a big poo and if you're doing a big poo and you, you can squat, <laughs> you, it makes sense. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Speak about movement. Let's move away yeah. from this topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is, uh, I think another thing I want to mention too with the, the whole movement side of things, it's really big for us that carries over to a lot of, to all of our classes and is very relevant, particularly to like our, our fight community and the jiu-jitsu community within, within the Jungle Brothers is this, move, uh, this idea of building strength out of alignment, um, which is basically just becoming strong in non-conventional positions, non-linear patterns, mm. non-linear positions, you know. So you look at the standard kind of strength and conditioning routine for someone, they go and squat and deadlift and then pull and push a little bit and then do some crunches, but then they go and like play soccer or go to jiu-jitsu or, or something like that and someone's attacking their knee from all these different angles and they're falling and twisting and rotating while, while loading. And like they're doing such dynamic shit, but they don't explore any of that shit in their training. Mm. So in essence, they're kind of completely unprepared for the forces that they're under during that practice. Mm. And I think that, you know, m like most people in, in their lives now, they, they, they never explore these out of alignment positions, even if they're not playing sport, even if they're just a person who goes to work and goes to the gym there you take them out of alignment and they're a fucking pussycat mm -hmm. so i think that a big part of what we're doing is is getting people out of alignment no 100 percent. yeah and i think um a lot of so people who don't exercise much they're like okay well what do i do do i go cycling do i go running do i go here do i go there do i go rock climbing do i go learn a martial art or do i go, do I go to a dance place and i realize now that a lot of the places that offer those kind of disciplines they tend to the way they teach tends to be influenced by competition so what they teach ends up being very geared towards, okay, what's useful in certain contexts, um, you know, or perfor performance. So for dance, it's like, you know, let's not get you into, into tune with your own body and how rhythmically it moves, but let's get you to perform the big moves that you would do on stage, right? And not everyone actually wants to be a performer, but can actually really benefit from dance. And not everyone wants to be a fighter, like go into the ring and get smashed, but it would benefit, the to, to benefit them to learn how to throw a punch even if they never have to throw a punch in their lives, just establishing that communication between the feet and the hands and all sorts of other things and stringing things together is, is great for the brain, it's great for the body, it's great for the joints, everything. Um, and if the, those spaces, I feel that most spaces tend to 
teach things in, a ver in very much of a constrained format because their bread and butter is to send people out to these competitions or to these dance performances or whatever it might be um, in order to build up their, their business, you know? And people who aren't prepared for that physically and most people who are looking for a discipline or some kind of physical outlet, they go to this, they're not going to be prepared for the kind of physical forces that await them, you know? And a lot of people end up fall, falling away because they get injured or it's too hard or, you know, they're just not able to cope with whatever pressures exist in that environment. So um, what I like about what we're doing here is that we're trying to, you know, get people in in different, we've got a few different doors. We've got the, the fight door, we've got the lift door, we've got the move door, you know, and there's a lot of different doors within those doors. And it's like, if someone, you know, is coming in and their level is getting a really, really heavy deadlift, awesome. And then let's encourage them to explore some other things. Where are, we, where are you going to invest that strength now? You know, to get more mm. strength in other places. You know, Should I think that's really important. Great way of putting it. Yeah, it is. Salsa. Yeah. <laughs> when are you guys going to come to a salsa Butts class? <laughs> when he <laughs> says you guys, he Man, means Joe see, and T. See, yeah. Joe, see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been yeah, actually, ruling yeah. the salsa Man, floor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, here's yeah, the th funny thing Paul's about Paul's pretty good. Paul's got rhythm, though. Yeah, but I'm that's because he's put struggling. himself there. He's put himself there. And even when you have rhythm, we've you got, go to another got class. two coconuts at this gym. One has rhythm, one doesn't. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I mean, like, even like what you said, like, uh, shiny butt, is that what you said? Like, you're referencing the, the costumes they wear, right? Yeah, and the, the way the deadlift can make your butt look all shiny and shit in the costume. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, well, you think about it. Yeah. It's all aesthetic, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, yeah, part of it is, for sure. Part of it is. Ooh, can of worms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cerebral as a motherfucker. He'll, I mean, if you're good at it. Down. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think what, what, what turns off people about fight and what turns people off about a dance is, like, the, the aesthetic, the, the visual stuff. Like, people look at UFC and they're like, oh, it's violent, it's, it's bad, blah, blah, blah. And then when people look at, like, professional dancers, you know, especially the men, they tend to wear all this... Like, no, no one has a problem with the women, but, you know, with the men, <laughs> it's like they're wearing all this tight stuff and I'm like... And even me, I'm like, man, why do they have to wear that? Like, and he's does it smiling all that? the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just smiling. His teeth are so straight. Most of them, totally. Most of them want to wear that, mm. right? Okay. Mm. Yeah. But you and it doesn't speak the language of a lot of people. You yeah. know, people think that that's all dance is because that's all they've been exposed to of dance, and that's all they've been exposed to of fighting. They don't see any other value in it. But you only see the value when you actually get into it. You know, and you feel it. And you're like, oh, okay. So it's not just about violence. It's about restraint. It's about learning how to like. Use your body in certain ways and and then partner it. dance. That's huge. It's massive communication, physical physical communication. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Uh, yeah, that whole stuff with uh, with the partner stuff that we've been learning. Yeah, it's amazing. Like very small, subtle, tactile cues mm. that send them into a big motion. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's cool. It's super cool. Yeah, like the difference between a hand being higher or lower or pushing this way or this way is like and a just language. Slight. Like even that, those grips you're showing us where it's just like you're just cradling the finger. Exactly. But it's enough in that shape to pull that person exactly. a meter and a half that way and then whip them or whatever. Correct. Providing that person is providing you that shape. That, so yeah, they've got to listen. Yeah. They've, got to, they've got to make a frame. They've got cool. to be receptive. So there's a lot you're of talking shit talking our going language on. here, team? I'm picking it all up, man. I'm picking it all up. No, I, I, I think uh, personally, look, my wife's a professional dancer and I've watched a multitude of different shows over the years. Every time we go to a new, new, new city, we, we watch maybe four or five stage shows and then concerts and 
Uh, so I'm, I'm a good observer, and I do believe that dance is at, at the pinnacle of movement, personally. Mm. When I watch a ballet or watch professional poppers and dancers, like, there's no Breakers. other athlete on the world can do what they do. Breakdances. You know? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it's Somebody's, true. And a lot of the best fighters, they'll use dance, right? Yeah. They'll use music and rhythm. Anderson. You posted something the other week. Yeah, uh, Shevchenko. Yeah. Yeah, she does like so many different kinds. She does like all the Peruvian dances. She's a Russian in Peru, rep- like fighting out of Lima, Peru. Called, girl called Shevchenko, yeah. right? And she knows like the Russian folk dance. And like folk dance has a ton of all this interesting stuff in it. Um, and she does like the Peruvian dances, like the festejo and the salsa. And How cool. Yeah, it's crazy good. She's really good. And then her and her sister, they both like train with a certain pace and a certain rhythm. And so they get, it's, a, it's interesting when you train with rhythm because you get more reps in. You actually get more reps in. Forces you into, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Keeping time and staying more, yeah. Exactly. And then you, when, you're, when you know you're in rhythm, you also know when you're out of rhythm. So then you can train out of rhythm as well. And when you listen to Conor McGregor talk about his fights, he always talks about like rhythm, setting a rhythm mm. and breaking a rhythm, you know, and mm. finding what that person's rhythm is and then finding a weakness in that rhythm and capitalizing on that. And it's just literally millimeters or like little beats that they take advantage of that's invisible to the naked eye. But if you do enough of that practice of fighting and, and a bit of dance, a bit of something that helps you get into rhythm, you start, you're suddenly going to start see, seeing some stuff in those fights. You know, even like when I first started watching MMA, um, my friend introduced me to Anderson Silva. So pr- prior to that, I was surfing internet forums and I'd see like random posts of like, oh, Fedor Emelianenko, crazy knockout and, you know, the UFC one stuff, all the freak show stuff. So I wasn't super into it. I was just into the freaky, freaky stuff. And he's like, dude, come over. I'll show you some Anderson Silva. Have you heard of him? I'm like, nah. So I'll go over to his house and he plays all of his previous fights. And it's straight away, I notice, I was like, as soon as I saw him move, I'm like, this guy's done capoeira. And it, 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 he, he, he has done capoeira. You know, not all the Brazilian fighters do, but I can tell the ones that have because the way they stand and the way they move has a different quality about it. You know, they're less rigid. They move in more circular patterns, you know, because in capoeira, you're forced to move in a circular way. Yep. And a lot of the Afro styles are very circular. They create power through like circular motion. I mean, have you guys seen those African dancers? They look like they're doing tricks, but they're doing just spins in the air and they're jumping and they're landing and they continue, they land and they continue with a spin and they just keep jumping and they get faster and faster and faster. So they're constantly practicing this just for fun. And then it gets sort of cross-pollinated with other styles, you know? And then fighters like Anderson and even, um, even Connor, he does a bit of it as well because he got exposed to capoeira through Ido. And yep. probably, you know, prior to that, I'm not sure what his history is, but you can even see it in the way he moves. It's, it's a very different quality to the kind of movement. And it's a different dimension that gives him that edge, which I think makes, is what makes him great. You know, it's what made Anderson great as well. There's all these invisible hidden dimensions. And then there's like the mental game and stuff. It's true. It's, and it's the stuff that from the outside, like people, yeah, people, most people don't see. They're like, oh, that person's really good, but I'm not quite sure why it is. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they can, they, like you said, another dimension, like they can they can work on another plane that, that, I can, that their regular opponent cannot. No, exactly. Yeah, that's right. And when, when they're faced with something unknown, they're just kind of like, Ugh. they stop for a brief second and then that's when they can insert a punch. Yeah, it's sick. Yeah. I fucking love watching McGregor fighting. I love I'm it. spewing that he's not in the UFC right now. You know, that he's kind of tapped yeah, out yeah. for the moment. Yeah, but he's fighting Mayweather, so it's kind of like... Yeah, but I don't give a fuck about boxing. Yeah. I just can't get into it. I don't yeah. know. 
But what about the, the whole, he's just a totally different style, he could get smashed, or he could be something anomalous to... It's a, yeah, like the, the prospect is exciting, yeah, but I, I'm sure the fight <clears throat> won't be explosive. Yeah, I'm I, sure I it'll be it. just another that. boxing match where yeah. it's like that tip-tap shit. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Inter- <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting. It's boxers out there. It's fucking amazing. He's going to I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. I think Mayweather's going to wipe him. Yeah. Probably. If it even fucking happens. I know it's like booked, but I still don't feel like it's going to happen. Mm, But I I get what you're saying Joe Like it's interesting for me I'm still invested in the the prospect And I'm interested to see the fight And blah 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 But I really essentially would love to see him In his prime Back active again Fighting two to three times a year In MMA That's right I want to see him throwing those spinning kicks Those spinning techniques And moving his feet the way he does Oh man you know. Yeah, great balance. Yeah. I'd like to see what he looks like just with the boxing, like the adjustments he makes with the, with the stance and just what it looks like. It's, yeah. it's interesting to know. Absolutely. I'm obviously tuning in. Mm. I wanted to, uh, I thought maybe we could wrap up with just like a couple of quick takeaways for people, like a couple of quick little movement takeaways, you know, like uh, I think there's some, takeaway. yeah, there's some real gold in there for, for, for the regular crew out there who aren't really exploring this stuff yet. Um, uh, Al, do you have something? I've got a little something up my sleeve. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I would just encourage people to try and find, whenever they're moving in any class or any discipline or anything that they're doing, just trying to find the connection between what you're doing to something else. Because if you start with that mindset and you're consistent with it, over months and over years, you're going to become a, actually a very good mover because that's basically how I kind of just taught myself. I was like, okay, where can I apply this? Where else can I apply this? That's that. I think that's very important. I mean, even when I teach kettlebells, for example, like the the clean and then pushing it out back into a swing, I'm like, this kind of feels like a punch to me. Explore that, and then yeah. I just let them go with it, you know. And I don't know how much that's sunken in, but <laughs> I would I would just recommend people to see, try and look at the connections and find the connections between different things or seemingly different things. I like it. Contact us, and. Uh ask us about our online programming system and keep your eye out for our fully automated online programming, which is also in the pipeline. Indeed it is. Nice. Yeah, I got, um, I think for me, the big one is explore these out of alignment positions. So don't get so caught up like moving in straight lines all the time. Don't feel that your exercise regime has to look perfectly structured and be completely measurable. Um, you know, like put it five minutes aside a day before you go on the mats in jiu-jitsu or before you start off in the gym or, you know, before you lift some weights, whatever, just explore some shit, you know, whether you're down in a squat, you know, rotating through the knees and shifting side to side or getting into the hips or swinging from a bar, opening up the shoulders, whatever it is, just get out of alignment a little bit and, and reap some serious benefits. Photo, you got anything? Mm, I guess I would say... You know, we come into the gym sometimes to, you know, you, it, like what the analogy T.O. always uses is like it, it can, you can see it as a, a garage or mechanic. You come in here and you, you fix yourself, you analyse what, you know, what's going on um, and we provide great tools. We can help you with, you know, whatever issues you may have or any goals you may have. But beyond that, like I just want to encourage people to also step out beyond here and not get too obsessed with the tools and using of the tools and getting obsessed by just stretching or just doing this and, and getting out of here and then going and moving in other places. 
for instance, dance. Please encourage our members to go and try fighting at a jiu-jitsu gym beyond here and, and you know, explore something more specialised. And then, you know, if you want, come back here and, you know, use our tools again. Um, I guess that's the message that I want to put out. Nice. Emphasised yeah. recently to me when I did the Edo uh, course set up in Newcastle a few weeks ago, which really resonated with me. And that's what aligns us with him a lot, because that's how we felt from the beginning. Nice. Mm. Nice. Yeah, on the jiu-jitsu front, actually, look out for our new space. We're going to have some mats there. Yeah. We're already talking about developing our own jiu-jitsu program. So uh, we're on the lookout for a new spot, but uh, more information on that to come. Just okay. get, you can get excited about it now. Sick. And go. Yeah. <laughs> just move. Yeah, and again, if uh, all of this terminology that we've been using is all a little bit foreign to you, like out of alignment and all this kind of stuff, and it interests you a little bit more, just reach out, junglebrothers.com. Mm. Absolutely. Nice. Sweet. Okay. Thanks Thank you, boys. It. Thanks for listening, listeners. Thanks, guys. Far and wide. Coach Al, and cherry here. popped. Yeah, yeah. Good Feels to have good. you here, Al. Let's get some lunch. Guys. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody. That was uh, that was lots of fun. We hope you took uh, some cool stuff away from that. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hey, and just lastly, if you haven't jumped onto our website already, make sure you do junglebrothers.com. Grab the sick handstand ebook, master that tough skill. Uh, sign up for our newsletter. Upcoming events, we've got our bulletproof bodies for BJJ event yep. happening next yep. month, and also in May, we've got our retreat coming up. Um, and just reaching out to anyone there that's interested in getting started on their strength and movement journey, hit us up. We offer a free consult online, Skype, phone, whatever it has to be. We've got a sick community down here. Yeah, reach out. Come, come join. Be part of the movement. Yeah, okay. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Yep.